It can get very cold. Very cold indeed. Whether the cold in question is the temperature, someone's personality, or the sickness, they can all get very extreme. Like right now, it's very cold. I'm huddled near a broken heater and under about 10 blankets. Gerard is a cold, cold person for refusing to get me a source of warmth, aka coffee. And my cold, the sickness, has barely just gotten better. AKA, things have been kind of hellish for me between the clouds. So, um, an explanation, I suppose. Because we have had some very angry mail about this issue. For those of you who don't know, the issue is that this broadcast is late. What a sin, I know. The highest form of evil? It cannot be excused. But here's the thing. I don't get paid. I don't owe you people out there, and honestly, you kind of owe me. I gave a lot to pursue this, and kids, please don't drop out of college. You'll have a slightly better chance of getting a job then. Anyways, I got really, really sick. Uh, Like, I was vomiting everywhere sick, and I'm not vomiting now, so I got to work. So that was my reason. I was sick. And you've got to excuse me because you technically owe me and I don't owe you. It totally wasn't because I got sick and Robert and Co. were afraid I was carrying an underworlder bug and detained me. No, 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 no! Not at all. Why would you mention that? Anyways, on with the news. Believe it or not, viewers, uh, the feast is actually going to happen. It took a lot of riots and protests, but the chefs had finally agreed, not like they had a choice. It will be held next week, and as a result of the forced decision, each individual must buy the ingredients for the chefs, because the chefs seem to all have mysteriously become bankrupt. So stay tuned for the post-it notes that will fly into your homes, proceed to almost hit you in the eyes, and unfold themselves from their crane shapes into readable slabs of clay. I swear, my vomit's getting weirder and weirder. I mean, like, okay, so here's the thing. In the beginning, it was good old-fashioned bricks, but then it started to become sentient. I got robins and frogs, and then I got a cloud cat. I haven't eaten meat in years. (coughs) 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 Fun. Gotta keep it clean for the children. Right. Ugh, but what is it with these paper cranes? They just come from everywhere and turn into everything. Well, it uh, seems that my papers have turned into paper cranes, and I do not successfully know how to unfold origami. I know, I know, sue me, actually. Please don't sue me because I have no money. Anyways, so um, because of this, I will try to do the broadcasts off of memory. All right, the um, 
the uh segment. Did you know that some underworlders believe in things that have been repeatedly disproven by reliable practices and experiments? I can't quite recall the specific examples, except that they were ridiculous. So, a word must be noted. Belief may be stronger than fact. But just because it's stronger doesn't mean it's correct. That is the end of the uh segment. As for action on the place below the buffs, let's just say that I am one, not at liberty to discuss anything about it, and two, not technically supposed to know anything about it. You know, the whole releasing it to the public was uh, kind of illegal. Well, it would have been illegal if we had laws. And, okay, you know, all future plans about this are classified, so I totally would never have access to that sort of information. This is all to say that I definitely do not have information on the plans to deal with the place below the buffs. By the way, by the way, um, that name, Below the Buffs, that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, look at our big name, Between the Clouds. We are literally between clouds. It makes sense. Below the buffs? Do these people have buff warriors that act as protectors? Do they lie under the bodies of buff people? Who honestly... <coughs> Sorry, I, um, I thought I was going to... <coughs> <coughs> Cough. Oh, would you look at that? Looks like a fairy. That is... Kirin Bishla! Neodon! Sioma! Lione Hurle! Sienal Nio! How disgusting. Anyways, how rude and disgusting. I am quite sorry you all had to listen to that. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just getting stains everywhere. Okay. Anyways, other news. I am depressed, and it seems we have a correction to make about the comment about the feast. It will still occur, don't worry, but right afterwards we're going to be moving so the scraps can fall through the gaps. Of course, there is no definite end to the feast, so it's highly probable that you may fall down to the ground, regardless of whether you are looking down or not. Note, this is not an excuse to stop looking down. You must continue to look down for your own safety and to prevent traumatic events like falling, because believe it or not, it is a rather jarring experience that you do not want to go through. You can ask Celia about that. You can look to John Doe as evidence. He's become numb by now by how many times he's fallen. Honestly, I'm just wondering how many more falls it'll take to crack his mind. <laughs> Anywho, uh, now we have the weather. You cannot feel the cold anymore. You have been in this cold wind for too long. It has been hours, maybe longer, since you lost feeling. In the beginning, it was a slight tingle, but then it spread. 
It spread and it spread, and soon you knew not what kept your hands aloft, except that it was not you, and you knew not that you had arms and legs as you could not see, you could not feel. That was a long time ago. But still, you continue onward. But why? Why? What is the point? What is the point in continuing? You do not know. I do not know. And no power, not even the eldest, not even the most powerful, the most omniscient, know either. You continue on, but why you do so is as absent as a chance of you ever stopping. That was the weather, and I just remembered, if you're Robert, and no, I do not mean Robbie, I do not mean Robert, I do not mean Rob, I do not mean Beardfrob, I do not mean Robert Jr., I mean Robert. Um, if you're Robert, please give me a call. There is quite a bit we must discuss, like the agent outside my window. And I suppose that's it. I don't quite remember what was on those papers that have long since flown away, and we have plenty of time to kill. What to do? Ah, I know. We'll read some poetry. Not mine's, of course. I'll go see some other people's poetry and read them aloud. To those who writers, think of it as a free sponsor that you did not ask for, but you never knew you needed. Okay, okay. I found one. Um, so this is poem number one. It's untitled. <clears throat> Who am I? Who will I be? Will I die young or pass AD? Will I be remembered by the world or will I pass alone cold and cruel? Will I sp be spent? What is this writing? Oh, okay. So we'll restart because this poet's I mean, I'm not, I'm not like trash talking your poem or anything, but you seriously need to work on legibility. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so let, yeah, take one. Okay. Who am I? Who will I be? Will I die young or past 80? Will I be remembered by the world or will I pass alone, cruel and cold? Will I be spent broken down? Or dusty on a shelf, never having played around. Never having lived life, never had left. What will I say with my final breath? My final day, what will it be like? Will I know I will go to that endless night? Or will the sky seem as bright as day? And then simply fade away? Who am I? Will I ever know? What will I do? Will I get better? Will I grow? Will I die young, beloved, and missed? Or past 80 and never kissed? I don't know, and maybe never will. But hey, look outside. Lean on the windowsill. Hey! Okay. You know who? Why did you move the paper? Alright, alright. I guess you didn't want it read aloud. Sorry for that cliffhanger, viewers. I guess this poet disappointed us. Let's go to another open poem. Okay, uh, this is a haiku. <clears throat> Hope dies down quickly. Not much to do to save it. It sinks down and drowns. 
Okay. Another. Um. Not a place is home. No place comforts me, helps me. They are all strangers. Kind of angsty terrible spelling, but okay. Perfect this town seems. Although, maybe not all. They say that it is. Ugh, wait. Did you hear that? Where did that come from? Like, I didn't even read that. Huh. Okay, um, anyways, what about... What? Why? What do, what do you mean? Uh, <coughs> Ark. Uh, so... Apparently, I'm wasting time. And if I have nothing better to say, I'm to shut it. So I guess I'm going to have to shut it, especially considering that Robert is at my door. Tut tut, Robert, I said a call. Not an actual visit to put me under house arrest. Jeez. Well, as I get ready to not feel fresh air for a while, I must bid you sweet dreams, viewers. Sweet dreams. Dictation number 45. The best way to survive is to cower and hide. Citizens of Dark Below the Bluffs, this is your government radio. Citizens, before we start, I would like to apologize for the late broadcast. First off, I was and am still slightly sick. Not that is that is a problem, of course. I would have come had I been throwing up cats. But due to my recent uh, excursion, I became something of a scientific interest to the government and was so held by the scientists for quite some time. I was released with most of me intact, though, so I cannot complain too much. Actually, I am not legally allowed to complain at all, so let's just move on to the news, shall we? As I'm sure you are all well aware, a minor disturbance that I briefly mentioned in my last broadcast has grown into a more pressing matter. More specifically, those origami cranes. Clearly, their creator was not arrested by our police, somehow, and has continued to make their sentient paper creations. Hundreds upon hundreds of the things now fill dark below the bluffs, blocking streets and causing general havoc. However, while they are quite troublesome, they have not yet caused anyone actual harm, so there's that. The police are handing out large nets to each citizen to help wrangle up all of these paper pests. They've said that for every ten cranes you capture and turn into the police department, you get one extra food ration. So take your nets to the streets, citizens, and cleanse our town of this pestilence. More on this story as it develops. Citizens, I am excited to share with you a new segment that has been added to this show. It's called Citizen Stories. And in it, I will be reading the story of a randomly selected citizen's past life. The stories from before they were reborn into who they are today. Today's citizen story is from an individual who actually works in the government. So I cannot say her real name. We'll call her Judy. Judy grew up in rural Kansas on a poor farm with her aunt and uncle and her small black dog. 
Her aunt and uncle loved her very much, and the various farmhands, though teasing, were also kind to her. And yet, Judy was unhappy. She dreamed of a magical place where trouble would never plague her and everything would be bright and happy. Then, one day, her dog troubled a mean old lady's cat, and, fearing for her dog's life, she ran away. As she was running away, a tornado hit. Fearing for her aunt's and uncle's lives, she ran back home. Not knowing that her family had already bunkered down in their storm shelter, she ran into the far house to find them. As she did so, the tornado picked up the house and carried her far, far, far away from Kansas. Miraculously, Judy survived the impact when the house at last came down, and when she came to, she woke to a strange, colorful land. She picked up her dog, who also survived, and went outside to investigate her new surroundings. As she did so, she was surrounded by tiny people, no higher than her waist. One of these people pointed to her house, where she discovered to her horror that her house had landed on and killed a woman in striped tights and red heels. Strangely, though, the small people did not appear upset at her about this. Instead, they cheered and danced around her. Apparently, the woman had been a cruel ruler of the people, and they were very grateful she was dead. Suddenly, another woman dressed in a large, white, poofy dress appeared in a flash of sparkles. The woman introduced herself as Gertrude, Good Witch of the South. She explained that Judy's house had landed on the Wicked Witch of the East, who had been a terrible person. While Judy was glad that she at least hadn't killed a respected person, she explained that all she really wanted to do was to get home. In response, Gertrude pointed Judy to a yellow road of bricks, leading to the home of the one man in all of the land that could help her. She then gifted Judy with the dead witch's shoes, which Judy did not consider ideal for walking in, but which Gertrude explained to be magic, so she didn't complain. And so, with a glorious send-off from the small folk, Judy began her journey. Along the way, she met and befriended a sentient scarecrow and a man made of tin, both of whom also had a reason to come along to where Judy was going. They walked until she came upon a dark and foreboding wood. Judy's little dog ran ahead and started to bark in alarm, and when Judy went to discover what upset the dog, a large lion leapt and ate her alive. And that is the end of today's citizen story. Back to the news, these paper cranes have gone from a nuisance to a liable threat. They've now centered their attack on City Hall and are swarming it, dive-bombing government officials and police. The police have ordered all citizens to abandon their nets and to barricade themselves inside their houses, which many have already done. The police now stand outside City Hall with flamethrowers, shooting fire into the mass of origami cranes. However, as hundreds of cranes fall burning to the ground, hundreds take their place. The police are considering other options and citizens. I am hearing a disturbance outside my studio door. It is the panicked screams of my two police guards outside that door. It is also the fluttering of many, many small paper wings. Citizens, the studio is surrounded by the cranes. They have carried off my guards into the sky and are now beating at the door. And I know my door is reinforced steel and that they are only paper, but there is quite a lot of them. And there's only one thing left to do, citizens. Hide and hope to be rescued. While I do that, here is a pre-recorded message. This is a pre-recorded message for when I am hiding and hoping to be rescued. A dark, flat lake. On one side, death. On the other, salvation. You sit on a lonely pier and wait for him. The old man in the rowboat.
He can ferry you across to salvation, but there will be a price. There is always a price. You wait. You cannot wait forever, but you can wait long, and in time he comes, his bony hands moving the ancient oars at a pace as steady as a heartbeat. And as he draws near, you realize that he is not old but timeless, that his hands are not bony but bone, that you are not on the side of death, that you are on the side of life, but now you are on the pier and he is ready to ferry you across. There is always a price, he intones, reaching out his skeletal hand, and you must pay it. You take his hand and step into the boat. He begins to row at his heartbeat pace. You reach the other side in a time both short and long. On the pier stands a woman clad in grey robes. She holds out her hand and you take it. As you step onto the pier, you turn back to the man in the boat, but he is gone. What is the price? you ask. You have paid it, the woman responds. Salvation is here. Phew! Citizens, I am glad that is all over. Now, you are probably wondering what happened. Well, at first... All seemed lost. The cranes filled the city, swarming everyone and everything. They broke through police lines and entered City Hall. Inside, they ravaged and tore and destroyed. They carried out government officials, the police, even the scientists, and dropped them in a circle in City Square. Then they joined, including the mass of the cranes outside my studio, together into a swarm and rose like a cyclone, up and up, and then dove down, diving towards the poor victims below. But just before they could make the kill, the mayor! She rose in a blaze of golden light from the clockless clock tower, robes billowing, arms outstretched, eyes ablaze. She turned towards the cranes and let out a piercing scream. The cranes froze midair and then started to fall. As they fell, they unfolded, drifting to the ground as nothing more than sheets of white square paper. One by one, the government officials, police, and scientists slowly stood up and looked towards the mayor's golden light and reverent awe. The mayor descended back down to the roof of the clockless clock tower and disappeared. His paper continued to drift down like snow. The government officials, people, police, and scientists all made their way back to City Hall. The people emerged from their homes and stood in the street, watching the paper fall in silence. And so was our town saved. Citizens. Today something happened that we cannot explain, that I cannot explain, something magical and mythical. But there is one thing we can know without doubt, that our mayor is here to protect us, and that as long as she is here, we will be safe. And so, with nothing more to say, I bid you adieu, fellow citizens of Dark Below the Bluffs. You are safe. <laughs>